Today from the Global Lane, Beyond Impeachment, exposing alleged corruption and the misdeeds of the FBI and the deep state. Kim Jong-un is at it again, promising to send the USA an unwelcomed Christmas present. Is the alliance against North Korean nukes breaking? A robust Christmas. Will the economic successes of 2019 continue throughout the new year? And anti-Christian attitudes in the UK and at the family-friendly Hallmark Channel. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Beyond impeachment, what are the Russia and Ukraine investigations likely to eventually uncover in Washington and overseas, especially in the U.S. intelligence community and the FBI? And why are we hearing more about the inspector general's FISA abuse report? Was it a dud or a reason for serious concern? Well, joining us is former federal prosecutor Sidney Powell. Ms. Powell is author of the book License to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice. So Sidney, Michael Horowitz in his 434-page report investigating FISA warrant abuses by the FBI said basic and fundamental errors and omissions were made by three separate investigative teams. And Horowitz said something other than pure incompetence was at work. So what was that something, in your opinion? Well, it, that remains to be seen as a matter of evidence. But from the evidence that is there, there are some logical conclusions that could be drawn, not the least of which is evidence of at least result-driven decision-making. They decided what outcome they wanted, and then they proceeded in that direction, regardless of what came up. Why do you think Horowitz didn't just come out and say that political bias uh, motiv motivated some of these FBI investigators? Because he does a systems analysis. He doesn't draw inferences. So unless there was a document that said, we despise Donald Trump and General Flynn, so we are going to do this, he would not draw that inference. But that's why John Durham's investigation is so important. He will put together pieces that were not even available to Inspector General Horowitz, one of which was the fact that Mr. Comey refused to even accept a security clearance for a day so he could be confronted with documents they wanted to ask him about. So he narrowed the scope of his own participation in the Inspector General's report by refusing to look at certain evidence that required a security clearance. Now, the emails of FBI lawyer Kevin Klein-Smith showed that he hated Donald Trump. He altered a FISA warrant, which allowed spying, and that, that's what Attorney General Barr calls it, spying on the Trump campaign. So was this just an error, Sidney, or a criminal act? That's a criminal act. To affirmatively alter a document underlying a search warrant is is tampering with evidence and obstruction of justice. There are any number of statutes that could apply to that conduct, which is why Mr. Kleinsmith has been referred for criminal investigation. And I cannot imagine that he would not be prosecuted for that. I mean, it's absolutely abhorrent, an FBI lawyer doing a 180-degree alteration of a document. You said the people on the investigative teams were handpicked for a reason. So who handpicked them? What was the reason? I'm sure they were handpicked by McComey and, and uh, Strzok and McCabe. And they were picked because they knew them well enough to trust them with what their result-driven investigation intended to be. 
I can't help but note that on August 15 is when Page and Strzok texted each other, you know, the, about the insurance policy they just discussed in McCabe's office. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the next day they opened the investigation on General Flynn, and the day after that is when they sent the agent into the presidential daily briefing to take notes on Flynn. So Flynn, either the assault and prosecution of Flynn was either the insurance policy or a substantial part of it. Who else do you think is under the microscope now by John Durham? Uh, Comey, Clapper, Brennan, McCabe, and how likely are we to see indictments there? I think all of those are under Mr. Durham's microscope, and I think indictments are a strong possibility. Uh, soon or later? I would say within the next four months or so. Well, after visiting Ukraine recently, Rudy Giuliani tweeted that, quote, a large-scale joint investigation into Ukraine and the U.S. would uncover and recover billions of stolen goods by crooks from both countries at the highest level. So he later said that impeachment is, quote, a smokescreen for the Obama-Biden administration's corruption. It will soon be proven, he said. Do you agree? What do you think? I don't know what evidence uh, he has or is looking at other than the little bit that's ma been made public. But obviously there was some sort of pay-to-play going on with Biden's son. And Mr. Biden himself admitted on national television, or at least it's certainly been broadcast that way since then, about having deliberately withheld and threatened to withhold funds from Ukraine to achieve the end of the investigation of Burisma. And apparently there were 17 or so investigations going on related to Burisma that were halted as a result of Mr. Biden's actions. So it sounds like there was a whole lot going on with that company that needs to be fully investigated. Finally, I've got to ask you this, too. I mean, Lieutenant General, uh, General Flynn was highly decorated for his years of service to the country. I know he was appointed Defense Intelligence Director by uh, President Obama. And then he goes to work for Trump. He's attacked by members of the deep state almost as if he were a traitor to his country. And now he's been bankrupted, his reputation ruined. Now I'm sure he learned a lot about our intelligence community in that role uh, as DIA director. And he was quite outspoken, I know, against radical Islam. So why was he targeted, Sidney? He had made very clear that he was going to audit the entire intelligence agency as national security advisor to the president. He knew where all the bodies were buried. He knew all the things they've been doing wrong. And <laughs> he was going to hold them all accountable for it. I mean, there are billions of dollars in operations being run off the books and conduct like we see here, the horrible abuse of the National Security Administration that's been documented by FISA court judge Rosemary Collier and Judge Bosberg. The whole intelligence community has been off the rails for years, and no one's held them accountable. He was going to do that. And he'd also been extremely outspoken, and the Afghanistan papers just published by The Washington Post show this, that he was sounding the alarm about the war in Afghanistan and had been very vocal about what a failure that was, too, and the reasons for it, all of which tracks back to the, quote, deep state, end quote, and the Obama administration. Well, a lot of lies, cover-up, and corruption in Washington and overseas. We'll see where 2020 leads. Sidney Powell, former federal prosecutor, attorney for Michael Flynn, and author of the book License to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice. 
Thank you for your insight, Sydney. Thank you, Gary. North Korea is threatening the United States, pledging to deliver a Christmas gift if concessions aren't made by the end of the year. The Christmas gift may likely be another ballistic missile launch over the Sea of Japan. The U.S. ambassador to the U.N. says it must act accordingly if Kim Jong-un's regime doesn't turn from hostility and threats. Well, joining us with more is retired Army Special Operations Lieutenant Colonel Sargas Sangari. He is CEO of the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement. So, Mr. Sangari just returned from a visit to the Korean Peninsula. Sargas, it's good to see you again. We normally talk to you about the Middle East, but tell us, what were you doing in South Korea? Gary, it's good to be here. I was there to do a strategic assessment, given what we saw coming, possibly, especially with the uh, elections due in uh, April of this uh, coming year in uh, South Korea. It was very important to kind of holistically take a look at what is happening on the ground. And while I was there on 7 December, which is a date that uh, lives in infamy, where Japan attacked the United States uh, in Pearl Harbor, is when uh, the North Koreans decided to test a new system, a new engine for their ICBM delivery capability. Now, you add that to the uh, initial test that took place off of a submarine platform in October, it is possible right now that North Korea can have the capability of delivering a nuclear warhead ICBM against anywhere in the United States using a submarine platform in the future. Unfortunately for us, is with the infighting that's taking place in Washington, has become a distraction and hasn't allowed us to be able to put the pressure on North Korea as we had done in the past. Yes, we're not we're not hearing much about this, but I'm sure the South Koreans are very concerned about the North Korean regime's uh, hesitancy to return to negotiations with the U.S. So, uh, what are they saying about it? The South Koreans are very concerned, but they're more concerned with their internal politics, uh, given that Moon is uh, seems to be moving more into the orbit of China and North Korea. And I would say he's probably uh, strongly within their camps, which has really uh, uh, strained our relationship with a uh, 71 plus years of uh, uh, dual capability to be able to protect South Korea against this enemy. Uh, he has uh, taken steps uh, within the government of South Korea, which has really isolated us. And while I was there, there was even discussions as to maybe South Korea moving away from a uh, bilateral capability to be able to secure South Korea with the United States and moving into the China's orbit in that capacity. Wow, that would be a major development uh, with 29,000 U.S. troops still there in South Korea. So back to President Trump, do you think uh, he should lift some of the sanctions against North Korea to encourage Kim Jong-un to dismantle his nuclear program and return to negotiations? What should he do? No, I don't believe so. I think what he needs to do is actually hold Moon the South Korean leadership accountable for what he has done. Uh, if you uh, want to have a partner in the region, you have to have a partner that is willing to allow sanctions to work. Unfortunately, um, Moon established a liaison office on the DMZ and allowed almost 50 construction projects uh, to go forth uh, between North Korea and South Korea, which was a means and ways by which uh, he bypasses sanctions that the U.S. had placed on North Korea. At the same time, uh, when the Japanese government uh, was sending industrial chemicals to uh, South Korea, there were almost 200 violations of those chemicals moving directly into North Korean uh, territory. And when the Japanese government 
push back on it because these are uh, industrial chemicals that are used for weapons of mass destruction. Uh, he threatened to tear up the uh, security agreement, which the United States had worked on in order to be get the uh, Japanese and the South Koreans to work together in order to support the defense of South Korea, because Japan has capabilities that South Korea does not. And it was only with U.S. pressure that he relented on trying to tear up that agreement. What do you think is going to happen with these threats from Kim Jong-un that he's making? It will continue to make those threats as long as the South Korean leadership is willing to surrender South Korea to uh, North Korea. If you think about it, uh, during the uh, August at uh, the 71st anniversary of the establishment of South Korea, Moon did not even mention South Korea. Imagine if the President of the United States stood on stage on uh, July 4th and never even mentioned America in his speech and talk. Quickly, uh, sir, I guess we're running out of time, but uh, do you think uh, President Trump is on the right course with North Korea, or is it a policy failure, the fact that he met with Kim? No, he was on the right course. Uh, he was the only president who was able to bring the uh, North Koreans to the table twice. Uh, however, uh, with the infighting that is taking place in Washington, D.C., and I have said multiple times, uh, our political parties are more interested in bearing the hatchet in each other's heads than our enemies' heads. Of course, our adversaries across the globe are going to take advantage of us to include possibility of uh, our allies. In this case, the biggest thing for us is if Moon in South Korea is able to get two-thirds of the vote out of the assembly of the, uh, um, uh, in the uh, April election, then it will be a complete loss across the board on the peninsula for us. Okay, Sargas Sangari, thank you so much. Welcome back. Thank you for your insights. It's good to be back. Jobs numbers are up, unemployment numbers are down, the Dow Jones is experiencing record highs, GDP is up, maybe not as high as desired, but the U.S. economy is finishing 2019 on a strong note. Well, joining us with some insights on the year and what to expect in 2020 is Financial Issues Stewardship Ministry CEO Dan Celia. Dan, good to see you. So what do you think of 2019? Good year for the U.S.? Or disappointing? I think it's been a great year for the U.S. Uh, on every front, Gary. I think it's been an amazing year, particularly as we wind down towards the end of the year and we're starting to see so many things come together. Unemployment is a full percentage point below what is considered full employment. We have 7.3 million job openings, more people than we have unemployed. So when we look at the data, the housing numbers just coming out, 12 and a half year high on housing numbers. That is very, very good for our economy as we think about looking forward. So, you know, it just every consumer confidence. We haven't seen these numbers in 20 years. It's been at least 20 years in the Clinton administration since we have seen this. We've had 30 days, or I'm sorry, 30 months out of the last 35 with over 95 on consumer sentiment. It is amazing what is going on in the economy. Very good year. 2019 is going to go down in the record book. And I think most countries would look at that and say, wow, this success and you're going to impeach a president. Well, the phase one China trade deal and the United States, Mexico, Canada deal, you know, Larry Kudlow uh, predicts U.S. exports would, will double because of that. So what will those agreements likely mean for the U.S. economy, Dan? I don't know that they're going to double, 
but certainly exports are going to go up dramatically in 2020 and 2021 as a result of that. But the nice part about these trade agreements and exports is it is covering another fundamental of the economy, something we don't pay a lot of attention to, maybe we should, but exports. So it's just another cylinder of the engine to get us clicking on all cylinders going into 2020. So I think it's going to be very, very good. Think about this, Gary. Canada and Mexico are two, are, are one and two exporting regions for America. And now you've got China, which is number three, uh, but China a lot lower than the two of them. And, you know, we've got uh, a deal with China. Maybe I'm not as convinced. I want to see it signed, sealed and delivered. But it looks like we've got a phase one agreement. So I think this is going to be very good for us next year. It's going to be good for manufacturing. It's going to be good for industrial production, uh, all uh, technologies. It's going to be very, very good in uh, 2020 as a result of these trade deals. And, and Dan, who's going to reap the biggest benefits, farmers, consumers? Oh, I think uh, the short term, it's going to be farmers. In the long term, it's going to be consumers. Uh, farmers are going to get uh, feel the impact of all of this a little bit sooner than I think consumers will. And also keep in mind, Gary, consumers are perfectly happy right now. They're, they're, they haven't felt the negative repercussions of no trade deals as everybody thought they were going to feel. So they're feeling pretty good anyway. Farmers really need this. I think it's going to be very good. We're already starting to see commodity prices coming up. And, and it's interesting to see that the stock market hasn't been affected one way or the other uh, by impeachment. Does that surprise you, no. Dan? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. I said it from the very first day that impeachment started. I, I said then, trust me, it's not going to affect the stock market. Here's, here's where the stock market is. First of all, the stock market is always pretty right. And so they're sitting back thinking, okay, worst case scenario, we end up with a Mike Pence presidency and probably a Mike Pence win in 2020. They, they weren't even concerned. It wasn't an uncertainty that um, the, the result of impeachment was going to be disastrous. Quickly, your prediction then for 2020 as we head into a presidential election this fall. I think 2020 is going to be uh, a very, very good year. I think we're going to see markets up in low double digits, you know, 10, 11, 11 and a half percent, somewhere in that neighborhood, not as good as this year. But it's going to be from an expansion standpoint, it's going to be a very, very good year. Always appreciate you, Dan. Thanks for joining us and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Gary. Thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it. Christian values and opinions are being ignored again during the Christmas season. This time, not only here in the USA, but also in Great Britain. At a Whitehall Primary School Assembly in East London, the lyrics to the classic Christmas song, Away in a Manger, were changed. Instead of singing the little Lord Jesus, the children were told to sing the little boy Jesus. You see, liberals at the school just couldn't stand to hear the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. They said they made the change to the lyrics, so all pupils can participate in celebration. But I've got to ask, 
what celebration would that be? Hmm, a celebration of, let's see, Christmas? Last time I checked, it's a time when Christians celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus. Isn't the holiday about Him, the Savior of the world? And let me get this straight. It's okay for public school children to be forced to recite the Muslim Shahada as part of their class lessons, but the lyrics of a Christian Christmas carol? They must be changed to make the celebration more inclusive. Would the school also demand that the Shahada be changed to say, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad, Jesus, Krishna and Buddha are also his messengers? That may make Islamic studies class more inclusive, but do you really think Muslims would agree to that change? See how absurd this is? And right here in America, folks, the Hallmark Channel, known for its heartwarming Christmas movies, is adding a little advocacy for the LGBTQ lifestyle to their lineup. Despite a petition signed by at least 40,000 people, Hallmark says it will reverse a decision to ban a controversial commercial for a wedding website showing two women kissing at the altar. Hallmark pulled it from the network following complaints from the conservative group One Million Moms. But after a backlash from celebrities and LGBTQ groups, Hallmark reversed its decision. This is just another example of company CEOs taking on the role of social influencers, pushing an agenda in hopes of changing American cultural norms. And with this decision, new Hallmark CEO Mark Perry seems to be abandoning the Hall family's family-friendly approach. Mr. Perry, you may want to stick to increasing your corporate profits. And folks, yes, anti-Christian hostilities are likely to increase in the coming year. But don't become discouraged. Keep speaking out for godliness and righteousness. And let's not forget the words of Jesus, who told us in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. That's good to remember, not only this Christmas, but also in the coming year. Well, that's it from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. And until next time, Merry Christmas from all of us here at the Global Lane, and be blessed.